0: Thank you. It is good to be here with you. My name is Andy, and um, we're going to be opening the Word of God together here in a moment. Um, this last week, I received a photo from Floyd and Kay. Floyd was our interim for about six months, our interim pastor, and uh, they were on the road um, down to Green Valley, Arizona, where they winter, and I asked, you know, how, how they were doing, and he sent me this photo, and then he sent me this next photo. There is our rock that we gave him, and uh, uh, the fun thing is, uh, he said, I think we've set a record for the most stuff ever crammed in a Ford Explorer. Um, they thought that, as soon as he thought they were done, Kay would come out of the house with one more thing, and I don't know if anyone else can relate to that, when you think you're done, and then maybe your spouse just has a pile of random stuff in the front seat. Austin, huh? You know what I'm talking about? Um, but, but they were making room for stuff, and they made room for what was important, that giant rock. Well, not giant, but it's a large enough rock, right? They made room for that rock because it was important to them to bring down their, um, to their home down in Green Valley. And uh, this all Advent season, we are talking about what it means to make room. And here at Living Stones, we want to make room for the things that are important to God um, during this Advent season and, and every week and every day of the year um, let's see, what's this next photo of here? Oh, I guess I'll do this one first. So, Advent, a season of expectation, a season of longing, of hope, of anticipation, Um, that's what we're remembering, uh, this season. Not only, um, Christ's first coming, his advent as, as a humble little baby, but we also anticipate, uh, Jesus's second coming, his second advent. Amen? Amen. And so, um, Last week we asked the question, "How do I make room for Christ? How do we make room for Christ?" And uh, Lori and I were talking this week about kind of how this series is building on it on itself, building week after week after week. And so I had this image of a of a tree. Um, growth rings, right? Each one of those growth rings tells us a little bit of a story for that tree, right? And in this series, we're kind of starting at the core, uh, making room for God, making room for Christ in our lives. What does that practically look like? And today we're going to be expanding to that next ring of an area of growth for us where we make room for others. We make room for others in the faith, um, our family in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, and also making room for our neighbors, people who... um, Maybe they know Jesus, uh, maybe they do not, uh, but how do we love them? How do we make room for them this Advent season? I love that imagery, that, the thought that as we grow in Christ, um, he gives us new opportunities to step into um, in loving others, loving seekers, which Dick is going to share about uh, next week, and then loving our enemies, which is very countercultural, isn't it? So last week, we asked the question, how do I make room for Christ during the Advent season? How do I cultivate a spirit of hope and expectancy around the things of Christmas? And I gave you four very practical, very practical ways. Read those quick. We make actual space. We open the Bible. We pray. We spend time with the Lord in prayer. And we worship, and last week we worshiped through song and through coming around the Lord's table for communion. And today, we're asking the question, how do I, how do we make room for others? This is an issue of the heart for us, I believe. Uh, This is an issue um, of who is on the throne of our heart. Uh, making room for others means loving others, means serving others. And first, to do that well as followers of Jesus, we need to have him on the throne of our heart. Making room for others often looks like serving. It often looks like love. Um, those are things that may become naturally for you, maybe do not. Uh, today we are going to focus on, as we make room for others, like I said, um, our church family or those who belong to Christ, and how do we um, love one another? And then also, how do we love those who um, are our neighbors, maybe the people that are in our sphere of influence? John 13, 34, and 35 says this. Jesus says this. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another by this by how you love one another everyone will know that you are my disciples right if you love one another everybody say love one another why is it so easy to say but sometimes so difficult for us to do why do we as christians get a bad rap in the church for disunity for breaks for um, broken fellowship. It's, it's not a win for the kingdom when that happens. It's a win for our enemy. And, and so we, we, as followers of Jesus, should be diligent to do everything we can to protect that unity, to love one another well, to forgive one another, because we are a family, and families do that. We don't just get to pick our family. We have our family, Right. And as followers of Jesus, that's who it is. And how do we love and how do we care and serve one another? It's a picture to the world, to the lost and searching world, um, that something, that Jesus is real, that God is doing something, is doing a work in the lives of those who follow him. So today, we're going to look at five heart postures, okay? Five words. Um, from God's word on how we should serve one another, how we should love one another, or how we should make room for others. Now, to keep it simple, I like this, this sort of thing is helpful for me, um, we are going to use the word serve and use the first letter of each word, of each, sorry, the first letter of, the. you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Words. Words are important, okay? There's going to be five of them, super important words, okay? How we should serve. The first is secretly. You can open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. The way in which we serve matters. Jesus had very um, direct words here on how we should care for others, how we should give to others. This is very counter-cultural, and you'll, you'll catch on to what I'm saying here as I read this. Matthew 6, 1 through 4, Jesus' words. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. We live in a culture of viral videos, right? Uh, TikTok Instagram trends, these videos that go viral, these channels that are based entirely around maybe even uh, giving things away, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, um, where someone just walks up and gives someone a laptop and they're like, what's going on? And he walks around and gives someone else a laptop, right? Or someone just shows up and gives someone $1,000, right? All of these things um, work the algorithm, so to speak, to boost views and gain more income through streams, right? And it's kind of the cyclical thing for a lot of these YouTubers and others that do this. And uh, Jesus is saying something very different than that. Now, I'm not saying that that those things are completely wrong, right? They're really blessing people. But it's the posture of our heart in which we're going to do things, right? (sighs) I, I often feel tempted, and I, I have felt tempted if I do, so, do a good deed for someone to, you know, do like the, the low-key social media, like so blessed to help my neighbor this week, right? right. Um, why, why would I do that? Would it be to try to get a, a pat on the back? Um, because what Jesus is saying here is be sneaky about your serving. Don't let, let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't parade it around. Um, now, there are, there are times when it can be a great encouragement and a blessing to, to testify um, of an opportunity that you had. But I want to caution us to be very careful about how we love, how we serve, that we wouldn't do it from a position of, oh, I hope people notice this. Now something that I love about the people of Living Stones Church is there's a heart of generosity here. And I've, and I've caught wind of some sneaky serving in the body of Living Stones. Um, people that, that are doing something for someone else in the name of Jesus, and they don't want to be noticed at all. They would prefer that no one had a clue, right? God honors that, and He, God sees that. And God seeing that is far more important and worthy than any other person seeing it. So we serve and we love secretly like that. Now, uh, here at at Living Stones, we have what's called Hope Ministries. Raise your hand if you know about Hope Ministries. All right, well, Hope Ministries, so we're all on the same page, is a service ministry of Living Stones. People faithfully give their resources of money to Hope Ministries Fund every month. And this fund exists to serve and to bless others, both within our church community and our surrounding community as well. Just last month, I heard of a small group that was looking for ways to serve um, as a small group, right? And and they're like, hey, they reached out. Is there anything that we could do? Yard cleanup for someone, handyman project, anything like that? And here's the fun thing: Living Stones has the resources to help this small group perform that act of service. The generosity of the people of Living Stones. Puts together this this pot of money that we can withdraw from to help um, people in need, both within our church and out in our community. So I want to encourage you if you if you know someone or maybe you are someone who has a need, write that on your on your um, your connection card, right? And and let us know. We we are looking for ways to serve people as a church, and small groups are like, hey, let us know when a need arises that we can meet. It's a beautiful thing, and that's beautiful about the people of God and about Livingstone's church. So first, we serve secretly. Second, enthusiastically. These are all adverbs, by the way, if you're wondering the part of speech. We're going enthusiastically. That's how we should serve, okay? It's to serve with enjoyment or with Eager interest, engagement. 1 Peter, 4, 1 Peter 4, 9 and 10 says this. Offer hospitality to one, one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. do you notice that? Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling, without complaining, without whining, without a stinky attitude, right? We should be giving enthusiastically. We should be serving enthusiastically, right? And I have to remind my kids of this from time to time. Hey guys, we're gonna do this as a family and we're gonna do it With joy. We're going to do it with enthusiasm, right? And then sometimes in our family, Austin has to elbow me in the ribs and go, Hey, Andy, we're going to do this without grumbling, right? We're going to do this with joy and with enthusiasm as a family. Jesus wants us to serve one another, to make room for one another by serving enthusiastically. There is joy that comes through that. We're also supposed to, in that enthusiasm, enthusiasm often brings about a spirit of generosity. And in uh, 2 Corinthians 9, this isn't up on the screen, it says this. Paul writes this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Like intermittently, not to their fullest. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There's another scripture that says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit, or a dry spirit, crushes the bones. Hmm. We're supposed to give enthusiastically. Third, we are to serve relentlessly. Everybody say that with me, relentlessly. Galatians 6, 9, and 10, if you want to go there. You can underline this in your Bible. This is a, a key verse in my life. Relentlessly, right? Persistent, continual, not giving up, perseverance. Galatians 6, 9, and 10 says this. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, think for yourself here in your own life. Has there ever been a time when you have grown weary in doing good this is something that maybe small groups are going to talk about this week. Has there ever been that time for you when you've just gotten tired, you know the right thing that you're supposed to do, you've been diligent and persistent, but you just get worn out. Maybe it's a relationship um, that, you're, that you just want to have a breakthrough in and you just it's just not happening. Well, I'd like to encourage you in that, as that verse says, to not become weary but to bring it before the Lord, to be diligent in prayer, to come to God with humility and ask him to give you that spirit of relentlessness as you seek to love and serve that person. All right, fourth, the V. I love this one. We are to serve, we make room for others voluntarily. Voluntarily. Now, has anybody in here ever heard the the little phrase, oh, yeah, I was voluntold, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so-and-so, they voluntold me for that, you know? What's that mean? It means you weren't really a volunteer. You weren't really, like, voluntarily signing yourself up. Someone else signed you up to volunteer, right? You were voluntold. It wasn't on your own will or your own desire. It was maybe a friend or a spouse or um, a child that signed you up, right? You got voluntold for something. Well, Jesus is the perfect example for us in every one of these categories, every one of these these words. Um, But go with me to Philippians chapter 2. If you're familiar uh, with Philippians, you'd be very familiar with this little portion of Scripture. It starts with do nothing out of selfish ambition. Philippians 2, and we're going to go 3 through 8 voluntarily. Jesus is the perfect example for us here of what it meant to volunteer for something, to sign up, to know what he's signing up for, and to do it willingly. Not because it was going to be the easy thing, not because it was going to be super fun and exciting, but because he was motivated by a heart of love. which is where our motivation needs to come from. This isn't a a checklist to make sure we're being good Christians, right? This comes from a posture of knowing the God of the universe loves you, cares for you, and sent his son to die for you, that we remember Christmas as his first coming. In view of his mercy for us, we offer our lives as a living sacrifice. All right, Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Underline that verse five if you'd like to. In your relationships with one another, Jesus voluntarily gave up his life for you and for me. That verse that I read at the beginning from John 13, Jesus says, Love as I have loved you. How much did Jesus love us? How much does he love us? A lot. If you ever question God's love for you, all you have to do is look to the cross. Remember the cross, what Jesus did, that he paid the penalty for your sin and for mine so that we could be brought back into a restored relationship through the confession of our sin and turning to him. We can be saved forever. We can have the hope of eternity with him in heaven forever. And so because of that, we serve and we love with the spirit, with a heart that, that says, "It, I'm ready, I'm in. I'm volunteering for this. Now, that can look like things within the ministries of our church, like serving on our tech team or serving in our kids' ministry or being a a small group leader or a student ministry leader or being on our worship team or being on our facilities crew or on our, our hospitality team, right? All of these different things people sign up to serve. And there are many benefits that God provides for us as we serve. He fills us with these qualities of joy and enthusiasm and a spirit of excitement and relationships built on the foundation of serving a bigger purpose together, serving our God together. Every part of us, every one of us as followers of Jesus are a part of the body of Christ. Each one of us has their own gifts and abilities and skills, but we come together to form a body. If we were all an elbow, right, on a body, that we wouldn't be that effective would we? Or if we were all a thumb, right? But Jesus is the head of the body, the scripture says, and we are all members of the body, working together, serving together um, to bring him glory. And this happens best when we do this with a sp- in a voluntary way. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we'll go to the fifth one. This fifth one, for me, I think you can do all four of those and still miss this one. I know for myself personally, um this was the case in my story as a follower of Jesus for many years could serve secretly enthusiastically relentlessly and voluntarily but this fifth one it is an issue of the heart and it's empathetically the ability to understand someone else to walk in their shoes to share the feelings of another, for your heart to be moved to actually care about someone or to care about someone's situation in a way that, like, gets deep within you, right? And then you want to respond with compassion. You want to respond by, by loving them and serving them. Matthew 9 36 through 38. This is Jesus here and. He, this is pretty cool, um, if you're familiar with this, Jesus is busy, all right? Jesus is doing ministry. He's healing people of all sicknesses. He is making blind people see. People, crowds are gathering everywhere that he goes. And I'll start actually in verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Pick up at verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus would have had every excuse here to say, hey, I'm tired, I'm busy, like, please leave me alone, give me a break, right? And his disciples would have encouraged that, right? But what does it say? Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. His heart was moved for them. Do we have that heart of Christ? That we see someone and our heart is moved to compassion. We actually care about their circumstance. I think a lot of times it's a lot easier for us in our busy lives. If, if there's a need, we hear about, oh, we'll just give a couple bucks. We'll, we'll, we'll help them out financially. We'll do the easy thing, right? That's not easy for everybody, but sometimes it feels like the resource of time, the commodity of time, is of greater value than other things. Because we're busy people and we we live in a busy culture. But Jesus makes room for others. His heart makes room for others to love them and to care for them. When the easy thing would be to just keep moving on. Let's read verse 37 and 38. So he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. But then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus is saying, Hey, there's a lot of work to be done, there's a lot of things to happen within the kingdom of God to grow, but we need more workers. All right, well, sometimes we end it for the verse there the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Dun, 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 dun. Move on. What does he say? He says, Pray to the Lord, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That's you. That's me. We're his workers. If you've given your life to Jesus, he has provided for you opportunities of good works that you would walk in them, both within. The family of believers, and outside of that, your neighbor. Um, back to that secret, that secret. I, you know, I caught wind of, of a, a someone in our church hosting a like a get-together uh, for their neighbors um, this Christmas season. And why are they doing that? Well, because they love their neighbors. And not a lot of people are doing those sorts of things these days. And so they send out invitations and they open their home in an open house style to just love people and get to hear their stories and get to know them. And, oh, how long have you lived down there, right? Like opening up those, those conversations. Oh, do you remember, you know, five years ago when this sort of thing happened? Like sometimes we, we live, and I can say this as a real life example, we live 10 or 15 or 20 yards sometimes from our neighbor, and we don't get to know them. We don't step out of our normal routine to seek to build that relationship, to get to know their story, um, to maybe begin to have some spiritual conversations about who is God to you, and and do you have um, a faith background, or those sorts of things. But I think Jesus would do that. I think Jesus, for certain, would step outside of his regular routine and his comfort zone to serve and to bless others in a countercultural or an upside-down way, in a way that doesn't make sense. Why are you doing that? Well, I have been changed by the love of Christ, and I want to be an ambassador. I want to be a witness for what God is doing in my life by loving by serving you. So I want to encourage you guys this week, all right, pick one of these, maybe one that you're like, eh, I'm not too good at this, or one that you're like, oh, I'm the best at this, right? <laughs> maybe pick a couple and be like, huh, how, what would it look like for me this week to serve someone secretly or to serve with more enthusiasm or to be more diligent as I serve someone, a neighbor?" Or someone, um, a fellow Christian. And what would it look like to, to do this more voluntarily? Not because someone's saying, hey, you need to do this. But because my heart is moved by the love of Christ. And then what, it, what would it look like for me? And this would be the one that I would want to work on for myself. Is to serve empathetically. To get in the shoes of someone else. And like really seek to understand them and their situation. And then love them. In that. Walt, let's put, put up those pictures of the growth rings again. So last week we talked about what does it make what does it mean to make room for Christ or for, for God in our lives? And today, what does it mean to make room for others? And next week, Dick is going to share a message on what does it mean for us to make room for the seekers? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are, are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. And then we're building, we're building, we're growing, we're growing. And then on Christmas Eve morning, uh, Peter Forsman is going to share with us, what does it mean to love our enemies? And then we're going to all come back Christmas Eve in the evening at 4 or 6 for a Christmas Eve message with the book of Luke 2 and just remembering all that Christmas is about. That's where we're at. All right. I'd like to invite you to stand with me as we just close our time in prayer. Oh, Lord God, we thank you for your word that it's true, that we can base our lives on it, that every circumstance and situation we find ourselves in, we can look to your word and the biblical principles in your word to know how we as followers of Jesus are to act and how, how we are to move and exist and love. Lord, your word is very countercultural in so many ways. And, and it, it's confounding and it's mysterious. And we worship you for that, Lord. And we ask that you give us wisdom and clarity to follow your word in a way um, that makes sense as followers of Jesus, but, but just causes people to wonder and ask, what's going on in their life? What is up with the way that these people love each other, that the way these people serve each other? I want to be a part of that. What does it mean to be a part of the family of God? I am curious because of these people at Living Stones and these other churches that are relentless in the way that they love each other. That they are enthusiastic in the way that they love each other. that They are secret in the way that they love each other. The way that they care for each other. They're empathetic in the way that they love each other. And they do it from from a spirit of wanting to, of being willing to, not because they're told, but because they just want to respond in in worship to what you have done, Lord Jesus. God, give us eyes to see those opportunities and and do the transformative work in our hearts as we go from this place today. God, we want to be humble to receive your word, to admit where, where we have gaps in our lives, where we are weak, And we ask that you would fill us in those areas, that you would surround us with people within the community of faith to encourage us, to love us in these sacrificial, unconditional ways that would make us more of who you desire. Lord, that we would seek to walk with you each and every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.